Good morning, Willapart Church. My name is Jordan Pilgrim. I'm so glad you have joined us online this morning or whenever you're watching. It is great uh, for us to be together, to worship together at the end of this, um, at the end of the summer as it comes to a close. We're almost done. Um, a couple more Sundays on our Fruits of the Spirit, and uh, we're excited to go into that. I'm excited to be here today and uh, to just open up this time in a word of prayer as we head over to worship. Let's just stop and take a moment um, to pray and to give this time to God. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us. In your grace, in your love, in your mercy, in your care, you walk with us in your gentleness. You are here. Father, I pray as we, as we go to, to worship wherever we're at in our homes and eventually as we go to a bit of communion, we would just sit and be at your feet in that gentle way that you are. And thank you for showing us your gentleness, that your gentleness and your meekness win the day. I pray for our spirits as we go in this time that we would sense your presence and sense your love. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. As we go into worship today, we will be talking about gentleness. And, and, as, and as we worship, just think about that, that lovely idea of being gentle before God. And when things creep up in your life, to respond in gentleness and love. So let's do that today and let's worship. Amen. Good morning, Willow Park Church. Lovely to have you with us today. We're going to worship Jesus together. First song is God of Our Salvation. And it said, God so loved his children, he gave his only son, Jesus, that we might be forgiven and death has been overcome. That's not a good reason to get out of your chair right now and start worshiping Jesus and clapping your hands and dancing around a bit. I don't know what is. So let's go. his heart God so loved his children that he gave his only son we might be forgiven death has been
What mercies have I beheld in thee, master of wind and violent seas? You beckon me out to waters deep. I'm fearful, Lord, but I'll keep my eyes fixed on you. That's our prayer during the song. We're going to make Jesus our rock and our foundation and be steadfast in him.
Lord, we want to fix our eyes on you. We want you to be our vision. We want you to be our best thought by day or by night. Holy Spirit, help us. Lead us into all truth so that we can better fix our eyes on Jesus, our Savior.
Lord, that's our prayer, that you would be our vision, that you would be the one that we fix our eyes on, that you would be the foundation that we build our lives upon so that we are always getting all the glory back to you, that anything that we get from how we live and how we reflect you goes back to you, that when people see you in us, they would glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be that way this week, this day, in our families, in our workplaces, in our places of influence, that you would be seen in everything that we do and say, and even in our our lives, that that would reflect you too. And your Holy Spirit would draw us into a better and closer relationship with you and a better reflection of Jesus every day for your sake and for your glory. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your service. Father, thank you for that worship time. And as we move into communion, I pray that our hearts will be steady and ready before you. In your name, amen. Amen. We're going to go into a time of communion right now as you as you grab. You see, I have couldn't quite find the darkest of dark juices, so I got a bit of fruit punch and, and, and a wafer, a cracker here as we go into communion. We want to celebrate God's love, and today in this sermon we'll be talking a little bit about the Beatitudes and, and the heart that God has behind the Beatitudes, as well as the fruits of the Spirit. There's so much intertwined there. That as we live like Jesus, we can live with the fruits of the Spirit and the Beatitudes. I'm going to read the Beatitudes first, and then we're going to go into time of, of communion. So, Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely and all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they are persecuted the prophets. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. As we read that passage and the Beatitudes and we see blessed are these seemingly negative things that we see in this world. We look directly to the cross and we see how blessed Jesus was. As he took on the shame and the pain of this world in a meek and gentle way, he won the day. He's calling us to do the same, to to walk humbly before our God, to walk in gentleness and to meekness and to walk with him. And as we walk with him, we inherit the earth, we, we bring on the blessings that He brought to us on the cross. Let's take a moment to remember the goodness that Jesus was on the cross and how He was so good to us and humble and He could have in a moment gotten off that cross, but He stayed there in love and care. Let's remember the cross for a second before we go into communion. Jesus, we come to you with our burdens and our heavy-hearted and our difficulties that we experience, and we give them to you. We give them to you at the foot of the cross, and we ask you to deal with to deal with them, to take them, and to take the burdens off of us. And, and we walk with you. You take our yoke, and I pray that we walk with you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. If you have your juice and your bread, let's take communion. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, thank you that we can proclaim your death and we can walk with you. We're so grateful and we love you. Thank you that we can participate in communion. You lift our burdens. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hello, everybody. My name is Courtney, and this is your Willow Park Church Family News. Baptism is such an important next step in following Jesus. If you are interested in being baptized on Sunday, September 12th, please let us know by signing up on our website at willowparkchurch.com baptism or by contacting Pastor Curtis. Tuesday, September 14th is our Fall 2021 Volunteer Kickoff. We want to celebrate what we can do as a community when we all work together as the body of Christ. If you currently volunteer at Willow Park Church in any of our locations or are interested in getting involved, we want to celebrate you and all you do. During the event, we also have training for each ministry area to equip you well for the job at hand. We will have sign-up sheets available at all of our locations on Sunday, September 5th and 12th. So please save the date for Tuesday, September 14th and come and kick off the new year. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash volunteer kickoff. There's still a couple days for you to share your thoughts in our annual survey, which closes August 31st. Don't miss out. You can participate by visiting our website at willowparkchurch.com survey. Pursuit School is a part-time program for anyone wanting to pursue the call that God has placed on your life to grow deeper in your faith and live it out in a practical way. At Pursuit School, we have weekly classes and service opportunities, and there's still time for you to apply for this year's program, which starts in September. Learn more at PursuitSchool.com. Our groups for youth in grades 6 to 12 are starting up again soon. This fall, we will be back in the gym at our Rutland location and are looking forward to seeing everyone again. GLOW is for grade 9 to 12 and is happening on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. starting September 15th. JUICE is for grades 6 to 8 and will be hanging out on Thursdays from 6.30 to 8 starting September 16th. Learn more about our youth programs at cahoots.ca. Many more programs will be starting up in the fall. Watch our website for details. That's all for your family news. Thanks and have a wonderful week. Yeah, I, I, yeah, welcome to South, brought to you by Android. That ain't going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I, uh, 
This sermon has been kind of rattling around inside of me, I think, for probably about a year. And it was only this last, um, last week where it started to formulate in my mind. Um, I should be speaking about self-control from uh, our Fruit of the Spirit series. But um, uh, what's nice about being the pastor is I get to make the decisions. Well, I'm going to preach on something else. Um, but I, I, was, I was thinking about how to frame what I wanted to share with you as a church, knowing that we are moving into a time as we go into the fall that traditionally is a time when we call the church back after our beautiful summer vacations. Um, we, uh, as a church, we breathe throughout the year in terms of our attendance. Uh, pastors hate it. After being here for almost 11 years, I've just grown to accept it. Uh, our breathing is we breathe, we breathe out in the summer. Our numbers go down, and then we breathe in in the fall, and our numbers go up, and that's the way it goes throughout the year. But the fall, we really try and do a rally call across the church uh, to bring, it's almost like calling your kids in after they've been playing on a long summer's night. You know, come in for dinner. This is what's going on. Let's, let's talk. Let's sit. And, uh, and that's what we're moving into. But this is different. This year is different. And I think it's different for a number of different obvious reasons because uh, one of the things that has become obvious over the last 18, 19 months is that pastors and churches really don't know who is in their church anymore. They don't know what church is going to look like. And I'm believing that the Lord is using COVID to bring some pretty amazing changes across his kingdom, across Christendom. And I'm excited to see what that means. One of the things that we've noticed just from observation, we've had a lot of new people join Willow Park Church. Traditionally, over the summer, summer is our least amount of attendance but our greatest uh, amount of increase happens in the summer. So we get a lot of new people because people move into Kelowna, uh, while our own church family uh, are out and about doing stuff. Then summer is a time of growth. But COVID has been a time of growth at Willow Park Church. Online growth for sure. Our online community is strong and it's healthy, and we are going to continue to uh, see that grow, we believe. And many people that I have spoken to, new in the church, uh, start their sentences by saying, we've been watching you online. And, uh, and Sarah is way more famous than me. Uh, people are basically, uh, like, they know Sarah really well because of the worship side of things. And uh, so it's kind of nice because now I'm Sarah's husband. For, for many, many years, it's been the other way around, much to our angst. Um, that, uh, and so it's, it's exciting. But I think what we just saw, be together, not the same, is really important. And so today, really, that's what my message is about, about being together and not the same. As we move into the fall, we've got a job to do, church family, and it's really important that we stay on track. It's really important that we make things uh, important that truly deserve to be important and are worthy of our attention as the people of God and as the church in Kelowna, that we can get easily distracted and we can go running down rabbit trails of so-called truth only to find actually it's just a distraction from the enemy from what really we should be doing and uh, be together not the same. As we come into the fall, we're going to really kickstart a lot of things that will seem familiar but honestly, the way Phil and I are looking at the church and the elders I know would agree is we're in a rebuild stage. It's almost like we're planting a church of hundreds. That's exciting. I planted along with Sarah. Well, if you include the South in terms of revitalization, we've been uh, leading in three different church plants over our ministry time. This feels like we're planting again. It feels like God has said, look, uh, I'm going to use... COVID, I'm going to use this pandemic, I'm going to use what's going on in our world as an opportunity to start this church off again in a way that I think is going to be really exciting. And so we're going to start some things that you'll go, oh, we've done this before. Community groups, for example, are going to become extremely important in the life of this church. We've, uh, we've we brought in some new staff. Nick and Jenny are right there. Give Nick and Jenny a thunderous round of applause. With the boys who are already in kids' church. Wow, that's brilliant. So, uh, so we've got Isaac, we've got Elliot, we've got Noah, and we've got Ezra. 
And so we're so glad you are here. Those of you who don't know, Nick and Jenny are our ministry couple, associate pastors. So they're both part-time making the synergistic. It's like one can chase a thousand, two can chase ten thousand. So no pressure, Nick and Jenny. You'll get to know them a lot more over the next uh, few weeks, and we'll pray for them properly. But we're building a team for the future. But church, we need to be together even though we're not the same. I want, to, uh, I want to read some scripture to you from 1 Corinthians. And one of the things that we need to get back to, you know how as a church, as a family, we have to keep reminding the kids the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, one of the things that I would love for us as this church family is for you to get into the habit of bringing your Bibles and journals with you on a Sunday morning. Do not rely on the screen Please bring your Bible. Make sure that what I am saying is actually in the Scripture. Uh, that said, we will show you what I'm going to, be, uh, going to be speaking from on the screen. But please, please bring your Bibles. Your Bibles should be within arm's reach for sure when you're at church, arguably for the rest of the time as well. Um, and it's kind of nice having your Bible not on a screen, you know, because uh, Instagram is a constant lure, and um, yeah. All right, let me, uh, let me read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him... God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ and the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human wisdom strength. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share your word this morning. And yet, Lord, I'm humbled by the enormity of it. And so, Lord, I plead with you that you would take these words, Lord, and you would plant them deep, not just in our minds, but in our hearts and spirits. Lord, I pray that this word will find good soil, that it would bear much fruit, And that, Lord, this would be foundational as we move forward into this new season as a church. Lord, I pray that you truly would, throughout what I'm about to share, remind us, Lord, of the enormity of the task, but also encourage us with the foundational truth that is Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Be together, not the same. The message of the cross comes to us in a world of multitude, like multiple narratives. It's it's really, we've never lived in a time like we're in right now. When it comes to the number of stories and narratives and so-called truths, fake news, news, whatever you want to call it, our world is inundated with people who are influencers, as they are so-called, because they have a media presence. And anybody with a cell phone can have a media presence in this day. In Jesus' time, it was not the case. People who were rich and powerful controlled the narrative. You could argue that CNN and Fox and you know, different political parties control the narrative. But really, sociologists and cultural observers would say that is not the case anymore. There is tremendous power sat probably in your back pocket or in your purse. That you have the same power as that can actually shift culture overnight depending on what you are recording. It used to be the BBC, and it used to be monuments, it used to be temples, or even stained glass windows. Stained glass windows was the way that the church would communicate the stories of saints and the stories of Jesus and the Gospels, because the common people were not able to get access or couldn't read Scripture. And so stained glass windows, for those of you who had the joy of seeing them in in Europe especially, were the way of controlling the narrative of saying, this is the truth, this is what we want to communicate. 
And it's only until recently, you could actually argue the pivot came in 2007 with the iPhone, is that now we have millions and millions and millions of social media posts that create millions of narratives that become truth. And we have to be very, very careful in our world that we don't switch the television on. And who does that anymore to read the news? I don't know. Maybe a few of you. But you don't go to Reddit or you don't go to Instagram or even worse, Snapchat for your narrative, for your news, for your truth. We have to make sure and identify as a church what is the truth that we are going to lean into? And we don't do that because we're ignorant of what's going on. It's about what we emphasize. What is worthy, friend, of your attention? Do we dumb down our calling by focusing on truth? And some of it may be truth, but focusing on the wrong truth, emphasizing the wrong truth, actually fighting over the wrong truth. Now, I'm very grateful. I want to say this because those of you who might be new at the South or in Willow Park Church, when you hear a sermon like I'm about to share, you're wondering what the real narrative is behind the scenes. Oh, Pastor Glenn is sharing this because clearly there's lots of arguing going on in this church. Not at all. Like, really not at all. And you know me well enough, those of you who've been around the block a few times and with me would know that I would, I would hit that hard on a Sunday morning. If we were arguing, I'd talk about that. There is no backroom arguments going on at all. But still, I do sense that we need to be extremely careful about making sure that we stand on the same truth. COVID, I'm sure, I'm very, very confident, will be looked upon in history as not only a time when the whole world fought against a pandemic, but as a time when culture shifted, which is why, as a church, we need to make sure that we're continually seeking the word of the Lord while also watching culture so that we can change and we can rebuild and we can look for fresh renewal and we stay fresh and relevant in the same way that Jesus and Paul and the apostles were in their time. We must identify our truth. What is it that we stand for? What is it we stand on? What are we called to? What are you called to? What am I called to? Never before has we, have we experienced something like this, a cultural moment like this. Uh, called COVID. Now, COVID does also make me smile. We were in, uh, I need to qualify that. Um, we, were, we were sat in a rented trailer in Souk a few, years, a few weeks ago, and we were having a, a lovely time. We had a fantastic vacation. And, uh, and one of the things that I said to Sarah was, I said, you know what, love? I think the best thing that we did not buy this year was a trailer. I saved a lot of money not buying a trailer. Number one, rveasy.com. You're welcome. Please give me some kickback for that shout out to you. You can rent a trailer. We picked up our trailer in Souk, literally went, mm, stopped at a campsite, unhooked. We were there. It was great. We rented another one and went down to, uh, we went to the, the Bible, our church family camp, and that was fantastic too. I said, Sarah, I am so glad that we did not buy a trailer because the cost of trailers is ridiculous right now. And I was chatting with uh, Steve Enns, my now, is he our brother-in-law now? I don't even know if that's a thing. Laura's shaking her head. I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean. It's, he's the father of my new daughter-in-law, whatever we call those lovely people. Um, so, <laughs> sounds great. Steve's great. They're, they're awesome. And he's in the car industry, and we were saying, you know what, give it two or three years, there's going to be loads of COVID trailers on the market. And that's when you're going to get your bargain. And I laughed because I said, I wonder whether there's going to be a whole stack of COVID paddle boards as well. And COVID puppies. And that COVID 20 pound as well that we're going to look at to try and get rid of. But that is going to be expensive and much harder work. But one thing that COVID has left with us is a legacy of demonizing one another. Demonizing one another. That it's actually encouraged in our culture now because of the polarization between not just political parties, especially in America, but it's, there's, there's a sense of it in Canada as well, where the polarization of not just politics but views is splitting families apart and friendships apart and churches apart. That depending on what you think about politics and lifestyle issues like sex and gender and homosexuality, 
that, 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 that we, we have to be against all the time, against one another. And it's creeping into the church, not just this church, but globally the church. And it is a beautiful tactic on the part of the enemy because he knows that if he can create angst and division from within, then he's, he's got us. We have to identify the truth. That, we, that seems there's this demonization, this division of truth, that, that everybody's against everything. Like millennials seem to be against everyone, and everybody seems to be against the millennials. And it was the case the same with Gen X, which is what I am. We would, we would look at the boomers, as it were, or the traditionalists, and roll our eyes that they don't know anything. And, and there's just this angst, but it's, it's amped up. You know, whether it be how we do the economy, how we do politics, vaccine, no vaccine, masks, no masks, stay open, stay closed. It's just this. And in the middle of this, Pastor Glenn inserts his head and opens his email. What am I going to get this week? Never before in 30 years of ministry, and I would say pastors would echo this, have pastors been called upon to become people that we are not? You want to know my calling? It's here. Preaching the Word of God and doing my very best to be able to say, with tears in my eyes, follow me as I follow Christ. My job is to actually stand before you and live life with you, which I've done for almost 11 years now, as we try and see what Jesus would want us to be, that Jesus would want us to do, how we should sound, that we would grow together but pastors are now leaving the churches in throngs because of the expectations that are placed upon them, not just by their church, by Christendom, that you need to speak out. Do you know what I need to speak out on? Christ and Him crucified. That's my job. And that might cause you some yeah buts. But if I'm not saying I don't agree with you, by the way. I'm not saying that I don't agree with some of the news. I'm not saying I'm not an idiot. I, you know, I, I have been vaccinated. Okay? But my job is not to instruct in that way. And that might cause some people to leave the church. And I'm okay with that. Because our job, our calling is to be a light on the hill, to be a countercultural place that is actually here to speak into culture, absolutely. But to do so lovingly and carefully and united on the truth because his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our job. And we have to stay focused on that. Now, I'm not saying, oh, again, there's no backroom narrative. Oh, he must be getting lots of. It actually doesn't happen as much as you might think. But there is constant pressure on Phil and myself and on the eldership to speak out. Now, I am happy to speak out on things that I can clearly see in the Scriptures. I'm happy to speak about pro-life. I am happy to speak about guarding against evils in the world. I'm happy to speak about that because I don't have to do an enormous amount of proof texting in order to make that happen. I can see it. Imago Dei, the divine has created. We need to look after our babies and we need to look after our elderly. I'm happy to do that. But friends, we need to make sure we stay united. This has been something that has been almost gurgling. That's a nice word to use from the pulpit for about a year. I love you. I love this church. I love what God is doing in this church. And it's okay that we are different. Let's be together and not the same. It's okay that the person sat next to you has got different opinions to you. See, in our, in our culture, somehow the narrative is, unless you agree with me, you hate me. And I've said this many, many times. I look at my son, Jack. I will guarantee you that I will disagree with him in things that, that well, maybe lots of things, but I still love him. I can still sit with him. I can still hold him. I can still have good conversation with him. I can still have relationship with him. As a church, we can be different, but we can be the same. But the question then becomes, what is worthy of our attention? What is the truth that we need to stand on? Where is it that we need to be the same? In, or if I put it in more scriptural terms, what is our call? What is my call? What is your call? Now, my job description you can see in Ephesians 4. You can read it right there. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle are called to equip the saints for ministry. That's my job description, amongst other things. I mean, and how that plays out can look different. 
What is our call as a church? Now, over the next few weeks, I'm going to tease this apart a little bit. But for today, I just want to tell you that we have a greater truth and hope that the world is desperate for, that we sometimes sit on and stay quiet on, even though it is actually the answer that everybody needs. And dare I say, even more important than some of the things that are actually being posted and talked about and argued about, far more important than that because it actually answers the underlying challenge and the underlying issues that we have in our culture. Because I have preached on this many, many times. Humanity, our culture, our moment in time has a common longing. They are longing for a better world to live in. And they will look at politics, and they will look at the economy, and they will look at how we're addressing COVID, and they will look at all the other things that we could list, all the things that polarize us, And they will look at all those things and say, somewhere in all that is the answer. If we can just get everybody to agree with me, then the world will be a much better place in which to live. Which is ridiculous. But what is encouraging is that we know and sense that there's something more, that there's something better, that there, there is actually a light, that we should be striving for something better. The big question is, though, can we find that better or as the Greeks called it, the, uh, the, the telos, the, the, the ultimate good, can we find that by our own human power? Let me put it in good Pentecostal terms. Can we rescue our world by human power? Can our world be redeemed? Can our world be saved by our own human power, by our own human arguing, by our own social media posts, by us actually fracturing and dividing? Is that how it's going to work? Can our world be rescued by politics, by good economy, by good social practices? And all these things are important. I'm not this, if you walk away from my message this morning thinking that Glenn doesn't care about vaccine or Glenn doesn't care about masks or Glenn doesn't care about politics, that is not true. It's not what I'm saying. Those are all truths that are important, but there is a greater truth that we are called to that is actually the answer to everything else. But what is it? Paul's already told us, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, a stumbling block to Canadians, a stumbling block to our millennials, a stumbling block to our Gen Zs, a stumbling block to our boomers, whatever. It's a stumbling block. It always will be. It has to be. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Culture thinks you and I are mad, uneducated, misguided, controlling, bigots who are irrelevant at best and dangerous at worst. That's what Paul meant to say, I think. No, he didn't. Paul meant to say exactly what he said. But to those whom God has called, that's you and me, Christian friend, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What is the truth? We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. What happened on Sunday when Jesus rose from the dead confirmed everything that Jesus said about himself before. And in a few weeks' time, by the way, we're going to step into a new series called What About? What about Jesus? What about the resurrection? What about science? What about the Bible? All the kind of big questions that our culture might have, the apologetics, if you like. And we're going to look at the evidences, and it's going to be fun. I I love preaching around this. We did a similar series a few years ago. I think it was actually three or four years ago. Isn't that amazing when we did FAQ? Um, So Jesus rising from the dead on Sunday came as a result of what he did on Friday. Can I tell you that our world wants everything that Sunday promises without any of what Friday requires? As one of my uh, recent um, authors that I've been reading, Mark Sayers, would say that our culture wants kingdom without the king. They want everything that Christianity promises, without all that Friday expects, without the submission to Jesus, without the recognition that we are sinners, without the realization that we are under the punishment of God, without God we are not going to be saved. That our culture wants what Sunday promises, they want what Christ promises, they don't want Christ crucified. 
And so in this thinking that if there's this inbuilt desire for the things of the kingdom, that we are wired for something better, then a lot like Samson's time, it's like our culture is like foxes that are tied by their tails and somebody sets them alight and they run off while setting fires everywhere. They're trying to put fires out. It doesn't work. That we are the problem. Our culture is the problem. Humanity is the problem. And so no matter polarization of views or truths or fake news or whatever you want to call it, none of that is actually going to bring a solution, a rescuing from the problem. Because friends, if you're listening to this online, we are the problem. Our hearts are the problem. Our desires are the problem. John Stott in his book, The Cross, of Christ says this, either we preach that human beings are rebels against God under his just judgment and if left to themselves lost and that Christ crucified who bore their sin and curse is the only available savior or we emphasize human potential and human ability with Christ brought in only to boost them and with no necessity for the cross except to exhibit God's love and so inspire us to greater endeavor The former is the way to be faithful. The latter, the way to be popular. It is not possible to be faithful and popular simultaneously. Here's what John Stott, and forgive me for me assuming that I know what John Stott is trying to say, but I've read it a few times and you've not had the privilege. He's saying, look, you you can't be popular and faithful at the same time. And so we need to get back to the reality that we cannot do this by ourselves. That Christ and him crucified is the answer. That is our truth, church. In the midst of a world that has millions of narratives, our narrative is that Jesus is the only way that this world will be rescued. And we as a church have a responsibility to communicate that and to live that out. Let's not stand divided over a narrative from the world. You are greater than that. We have something greater than that. We are greater than that. We have a responsibility to point to the truth continually. And even though I'm excited to share the messages in a few weeks' time about these apologetics, these big questions, that is not going to see people saved. Having answers to difficult questions prompts and encourages more questions that ultimately we pray will bring them to Jesus. But we have a lot of annoyed skeptics in our world. The only way that we are going to be able to communicate the love of Jesus to our city is by getting back to the truth, standing on it, and then drawing together as a community and pointing towards it. What cannot be ignored by our culture is living a way of life where we are close together as we become more and more like Jesus, which is why we're going to focus on community groups again, or care groups and small groups or life groups or growth groups, whatever you want to call them, I don't care. Just let's get together and talk about the Word of God and pray. Let's not get together and argue about the narratives that are in the world. Let's get together and discuss what the Bible says, what Jesus would want us to live like. And then we take that into our communities and we show the people that we live with a better way. Not from an arrogant, self-righteous, pride-filled point of view, but from a humble point of view that says that would you consider, can you see the love of Jesus in my life as I serve you? Friends, we're called to be a people of a different kingdom. The gospel is not just what happened on the cross. The cross is the entrance into the, uh, the, into the wider gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom that God created right at the beginning, this initial intention that looked like the Garden of Eden that immediately got broken. And then the whole narrative of the Bible is Jesus and God pursuing us back so we can get reconciled back to the way that God intended it to be. That is the kingdom. We are here to show and live life in a way that it reflects how life should be. Reflecting what God started in the Garden of Eden. So please, let's not fight over things that are below us. Let's not argue with earthly weapons, social media especially, over earthly narratives. Let's come to the cross and let's start following Jesus together. Let's get united in our deep desire to see a world that reflects heaven. As Jesus encouraged us to pray, that we would pray that heaven would be reflected on earth. That is our calling. And that is the way that actually draws people to Jesus. Not getting pink in the face and arguing doesn't 
work. It's not God's way. It's a very clever way of the enemy to draw us away from his initial design for us as a church. That united in our deep design, that we would be representatives of his kingdom, kingdom citizens, kingdom people. That the calling is not that we come to Jesus just so we can get to heaven. We come to Jesus so we can live out heaven on earth today. That is the gospel. That is our calling. That we become uh, voices of the good news, showing a different way to live. That we can be different and we can have different opinions and we can have different ways of going about life and yet we can be loving. Because Jesus himself said, you want to know, I'm kind of paraphrasing, he didn't say it with an English accent, although I like to believe. He didn't say, they will know you by your clever Sunday services. They will know you by your thick drum beats. They will know you by your social media excellence. They will know you by you disagreeing with them. He said that they will know about Jesus by your love for one another. That's what he said. So as a pastor, I look at the church and I say, what is it that we need to be doing more of? What do I need to be championing as a pastor in order to facilitate this growing together and loving together? And so care groups and small groups and community groups is just one part of that. A large part of what Nick and Jenny are going to be working on is creating a community feeling, a family feeling in this place. I can, I can uh, champion them and Nicole in that and Courtney so we can start reaching out to the families in our area with the love of Jesus, that we can be channels of justice and righteousness. That is our calling. No human can rescue our broken world. So we just prayed so beautifully at the end that Jesus, Jesus, he's the one that dispels fear because our world is fear-filled, and then there's this engine that burns hot, creating more and more and more fear. Jesus dispels that. So let's be together, not the same. I like that. I can't steal it as a strap line, even though I really want to, because, you know, it's been done. But I think that we can be different, different ages, different backgrounds, different experiences, We're called to love one another in a world that is disrupted by a pandemic and injustice and hate and confusion. What is our truth? Christ and him crucified. Let's lean into that. Amen? For some of you, I think, uh, you know, I'm thinking about baptism and I'm thinking about some of the sacraments, if you want to look at it in that way, that, that we have as a church. Communion is one of them. Gathering together is another. The Word of God is another. Baptism is a really important one. And so we are going to have a baptism service on the 12th. 12th is our kind of mini kickoff. Our big kickoff is October 3rd where we're going to start a new series, uh, the, the What About series, where you'll be getting some, um, some postcards and invites to encourage people to come along to that series on October 3rd. But for us, uh, September 12th, I would love to have a baptism service here. I know one person so far who is keen to get baptized. Um, Jesus commanded it. And so following Jesus uh, really is all about listening to what he says and doing it rather than listening to what he says and going, "Mm, I don't think I'll do that. That's not Christianity. And one of the things he said to us was to be baptized. And so what a beautiful way to declare Christ and him crucified. For those of you not being baptized, I want to encourage you to to get in touch with us so that we can actually arrange for us to have a, a baptism service. We can get the tank out. We can do it old school right there. And, uh, and that, would be, that would be wonderful. So please let me know, or uh, Pastor Curtis, know. You can go on the website, and you can see the emails there if you would like to get baptized. But I do want us to pray. We're going uh, to go back into just, we're going to sing one song together. And uh, I just want to reiterate. I want to reiterate. This message can be heard in such a way where I am saying that you are not heard, that we are not interested in what you have to say, that we are ignorant and don't care about what's happening in the world. If you have heard that, then listen to the whole message again. (laughs) So we're not saying that. We're just saying we have a greater truth, a greater calling. You are the people of God sent as representatives into this world 
to show the kingdom and the gospel to those he has counted you worthy to live alongside. That is the most incredible calling. Can I tell you, eternity starts today. Heaven starts today. I'm praying that the new heaven and new earth is a lot better than this. It will be. But it starts today. Let's rise to that calling. So why don't we stand together. Let's pray. Let's uh, stand as a family. If you're listening at home, let me pray for you as well. We're very cognizant of you, and we love you, and we're thankful you're still joining us online. But let's stand as a church. And as Paul said, he prayed that our hearts and our eyes would be enlightened, that we might know the hope to which we have been called. That's my prayer this morning. Father, I pray like Paul prayed, that you would give us revelation, that, Lord, that you would, that you would show us, remind us once again of the enormity of the call, the gravity of the call. But, Lord, you would also remind us that you have given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. That, Lord, we as a church at Willow Park Church and we as an expression of that in the mission, that, Lord, you have given us everything we need to see our neighbors and our communities experience the kingdom of God. But, Lord, I know from history and from reading your word that, God, that renewal, that revival starts with us, your church. And so, Lord, I pray that, God, that even this week, that, Lord, that we would position ourselves so that we might hear from you, that, Lord, we would put time aside so we might enjoy your presence. But, Lord, I pray that if there are things in our lives that we need to bring to you and ask for forgiveness for, that, God, you would prompt us in that way. Lord, I pray against the enemy and the tactics of the enemy in this church. I pray, Lord, against division. I pray against gossip. I pray against criticism. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that as we step into this new season, that we would do so united, shoulder to shoulder, moving together into new things, Lord, that I believe you have promised. Lord, I pray you would keep us humble. That's a scary prayer to pray, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that your love and power would be evident in this place. Start with me, Lord, I pray. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done over the last is it 20 months now. Thank you, God, that you are just readying us for this next phase. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for your death. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, that it doesn't end with the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you point to a new kingdom, a new way of living. God, help us as we place our attention upon you in that. In Jesus' name, we love you. We love you. Amen. 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 Thank you.